0: What's important about the Ascension is not only that Jesus left. What's also important about the Ascension is what Jesus left behind. What he left behind when he left. Hopefully that makes sense. For 40 days, my brothers and sisters, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared in his risen body to a lot of people. St. Paul makes a partial list of them in 1 Corinthians 15, there he says, "For I handed on to you as of first importance what I also received: that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures; that He was buried; that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures; that He appeared to Cephas—that's Peter—then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than five hundred brothers at once, most of whom are still living, though some had fallen asleep. After that, He appeared to James, then to all the apostles." And then came this day, Ascension Thursday, when our Lord ascended to heaven, took his seat at the right hand of the Father to complete the work of our redemption, and then he stopped appearing. He stopped appearing to his friends here on earth in his risen body. At least he stopped appearing on a regular basis. In that sense, he left. But when he left, he left some very important things behind. First of all, he left us his truth, the truth of his gospel. And he left us his church, which he had established on the rock of St. Peter. He established that church in order to guard the truth and defend the truth and proclaim the truth to all the world. I ask you this afternoon, do you personally believe that? I'm sure most of you do, or you wouldn't be here for this Holy Day Mass. But the sad reality is, many people today, especially in the affluent Western world, don't believe that. They openly reject Jesus, they openly reject his Gospel, even if they were born and raised Catholic. Now, we had a perfect example of this just a couple of weeks ago, here at St. Pius, through the talk that was given by Father Richard Lifrat. Father Lifrak was here at all of our Sunday Masses a few weeks ago as a representative of his religious order, a missionary order in the Church, and he was here to seek financial support for that order. And he was a fascinating man. I really enjoyed having dinner with him that Saturday night that he was here. Very interesting background. He was born Jewish. In adulthood, he became a biologist and what he refers to as a scientific atheist. He dabbled in Zen Buddhism for a while, and then finally he was converted to the faith, converted to the Catholic Church, and he eventually, obviously, discerned a vocation to the priesthood. The reason I mention him this evening is not because of his conversion story. It's because of where he's told us he served recently as a missionary and where he intends to serve again as a missionary in the near future. Belgium. Belgium. I hope you realize, my brothers and sisters, if that missionary priest or any missionary priest had come to us here at St. Pius 50 years ago and had stood at this pulpit and said, you know, I've been engaged in some very challenging work as a missionary in Belgium. If a priest had said that from this pulpit 50 years ago, he would have been laughed out of this church. Those in the know would have said to him, with all due respect, Father, you can't be serious. Belgium? Belgium is one of the most Catholic countries in all of Europe. It's the home of the great Catholic University of Louvain, where Bishop Fulton Sheen got his doctorate in philosophy, where so many of the great stalwarts in the church have studied and learned the faith. It's not a missionary country like some third world nation in Africa or South America. You say you're a missionary in Belgium? Well, you must have the easiest job in the world. Oh, how things have changed. Do you know that Belgium right now is probably one of the most anti-Catholic countries out there. I read the other day, you know, how many people go to Mass, how many Catholics go to Mass on a regular basis there in Belgium? 5%. That's one out of every 20. Here's how bad it is in Belgium. In February of this year, the Belgian Parliament passed a law which allows children to be euthanized. Belgium became the first nation ever to do that. This means that if your five-year-old son has a serious illness and decides that he wants to end his life, Belgian law now permits him to do so. And if you're the parent, too bad. You have absolutely nothing to say about it. Oh yes, by the way, the vote in Parliament was 86 to 44, which means it wasn't even close. Father Lifrag has his work cut out for him. You know, I'm sure that man would rather be in a poor, third-world country where people are really hungry for God as opposed to being where he is, in the midst of a lot of smug, proud, arrogant, wealthy people in a beautiful country like Belgium who think that they know more than God knows who think that they don't need the Lord at all in their lives. Jesus left behind his truth, he left behind his church, precisely because we don't know everything. And because without these things, his truth and his church, we are lost. As so many in Belgium right now are lost. But even if we know the truth, even if we believe in the truth that the church teaches, it's still very hard to live it, isn't it? still very hard to be faithful to that truth in our lives, which is why Jesus, at his ascension, also left behind the sacraments. For example, he left behind the Eucharist to give us the power to live his gospel. and He left us the sacrament of confession to get us back on the right track whenever we fail to live the gospel as we should. Hopefully, all of us take advantage of both of those sacraments as often as possible. And the availability of those sacraments gives us hope, which is one of the most important things Jesus left behind at his ascension. Without hope, without the hope of eternal life that flows from the resurrection of Jesus, this life really has no meaning at all. I mean, what are we doing here? We're biding some time. And then we check out. St. Paul knew how important the gift of hope was for us, which is why he said these words to the Ephesians, and we heard them a few moments ago in our second reading. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, resulting in knowledge of him. May the eyes of your hearts be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope, the hope that belongs to his call, What are the riches of glory in his inheritance among the holy ones? It's a great text. I'll end my homily now as I began it. By saying that what's important about the Ascension is not only that Jesus left, what's also important about the Ascension is what Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, left behind. I've highlighted some of those left-behind realities for you this afternoon. The bottom line is this. Jesus, at his ascension, left behind for us on this earth everything that we need. Not necessarily everything we want, but everything we need. He left behind everything that we need to deal with our difficulties and our sins. He left behind everything we need to navigate our way through this life, this sometimes difficult life, and into his eternal kingdom of heaven. And for that, we should thank Jesus profusely at this Ascension Thursday Mass and every single day of our lives.